Why do we gather wealth? Why do people marry? Why do they have children? In every case, the goal of everyone is the same. Happiness. Mahesh thinks he will get it through wealth, while Dinesh is looking for it in power and prestige. Bina thinks relationships are the means for joy, while Meena is hoping that her PhD will be a ticket to infinite bliss. Although we all have different perceptions, ultimately we are all searching for the same thing. Why then does happiness elude us? Twenty-five hundred years ago, the Greek philosopher Aristotle said, Happiness is the aim and end of human existence and the meaning and purpose of life. He was firmly convinced that everything we all do is for the sake of happiness. However, this Greek philosopher would have been astounded to know that 2500 years before him, an Indian philosopher had already stated the same thing. Vedavyas wrote in the Srimad Bhagavatam, Sarvesham api bhutanam ripasvatmaiva vallabha itare he says, why do we gather wealth? Why do people marry? Why do they have children? In every case, they are looking for their own happiness. Now, there may be a difference regarding where people perceive happiness lies. But the goal of everyone is the same. Mahesh thinks he will get it through wealth, while Dinesh is looking for it in power and prestige. Bina thinks relationships are the means for joy, while Meena is hoping that her PhD will be a ticket to infinite bliss. Although we all have different perceptions, ultimately we are all searching for the same thing. Why then does happiness elude us? The reason is defective attitudes and mindsets. And one of the foremost amongst them is comparisons. Let me tell you a story from my childhood. When I was in middle school, I had the option either of going by school bus or by bicycle. For a few months, I chose the more valiant path of riding my bicycle for 40 minutes to reach school. In between, there would be a little up and down, but I would brave it. Very often, I would have to face a headwind, but it did not discourage me. Added to that was my competitive nature. If I found a cyclist in front, I thought it was an invitation to race in that childhood exuberance. One day, 
There was a cyclist about half a kilometer ahead of me. And I thought, this is so tempting. I have to move ahead. I started pumping on the pedals. Now, the other guy was also cycling hard for his own personal reason. The difference was that he did not know he was in a race while I did. Well, it took me quite some effort and time until I caught up with him. And finally, while I continued to pedal, I moved ahead. You should have seen the joy on my face as if I had won the Indian triathlon. The problem was that the other guy did not know that he had lost the triathlon. And that was when I realized I was supposed to take the right turn 400 meters earlier, which I had missed in competing with this fellow. Well, don't we do the same thing in life? We have our needs met. We may have so much, but the moment we start comparing with others, we become miserable. That is why Theodore Roosevelt put it so well when he said, comparison is the thief of joy. In modern times, this has been enhanced because of social media. Youngsters are looking on the Insta profiles of their friends and neighbors and thinking, Oh my, they have got it far better in life than I have. This has led to a phenomenon called FOMO, which is acronym for fear of missing out. And what is that? The feeling there is something essential to life which others have that I am lacking. People don't realize that the others are not putting their average moments on Facebook or Insta, but their spectacular moments. And even those have been edited and polished in photo editing softwares like Facebook. They are comparing the outstanding moments of their friends with the regular moments of their lives and then feeling miserable about it. The cure for this is contentment. What is contentment? Rather than focusing on what you lack, think about the blessings in your life. The attitude of gratitude is a sure shot antidote for negative thinking. Martin Seligman, considered the father of modern psychology, he conducted this experiment with 47 depression patients. These patients were taking depression drugs because they were clinically depressed. He gave them a simple assignment to simply write down three things they were grateful for in that day. And the consequence was over a period of three months, 94% of that sample group of patients had pulled themselves out of clinical depression merely 
through the attitude of gratitude. Let me read about this to you from my latest book, The Art and Science of Happiness. What if I said to you that you can learn to create happiness? Yes, that's right. Just as we have learned to produce thoughts and behaviors that make us miserable, we can also learn the art and science of being happy. Imagine joy that does not depend on externals, joy that is not fleeting, and joy that grows forever. While this may sound impossible or like a fairy tale, this is true happiness as explained in the scriptures. It can withstand the harshest of conditions and make you feel on top of the world always. So the golden question is, how do we learn the art of being joyous? We all have the power to control our thoughts, behaviors, relationships and habits and direct our life towards happier living. It comes down to the attitudes and perspectives that we harbor in situations and relationships. What are those attitudes and perspectives? Well, I'm going to give you a very powerful one in the next episode. This is called Positive Reframing.